Welcome to Studio of the Future. 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 Ron English is a world-renowned visual artist speaking out against the blind obedience to popular culture and religion. With a wry, eye-popping, pop-photo surrealist style, I first heard about Ron in the 80s. We were both attending the University of North Texas for art, but he was already a beloved guru for his guts in altering billboard messages with his images. He went on to twist familiar advertising images, including his MC Supersized, an obese fast food mascot version of Ronald McDonald, as featured in the movie Supersize Me. His Abraham Obama, a fusion of America's 16th and 44th presidents, was created during the 2008 election. Other characters in English's paintings, billboards, books, fashion, toys, package designs, album covers, including the Dandy Warhols, Corn, and a project with Daniel Johnston, include three-eyed rabbits and grinning skulls. I can honestly say he has an astonishing and vast imagination. It's not only an honor to have known him these last 30 years, but to have him here as our first guest on Studio of the Future. Welcome, Ron. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wrote down you were going to say. Yay, yay. I have a little smiley face there. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Oh, you already, yeah, you see? You already wrote down my answers, too. Yeah, I did. <laughs> this is the easiest thing I've ever done. Wow. No, they're fake answers. But. Okay. <laughs> So what's a day with Ron English like? Mm. Well, I think originally um, it was just, I saw billboards everywhere and it seemed like that I could just climb on them and do them. Mm -hmm. And so like that was a way that I could access people without going to a gallery and say, can Mm -hmm. I have a show? And they say, well, maybe in five years you can have a show or, you know, it was a very immediate. So I can have an idea, go home and paint it and then have it up the next day. I mean, I guess now that there's an internet, you can put ideas out there a lot quicker. But, you know, everybody has to drive to work and everybody has to drive to work with their eyes open. So they, if you do a billboard, everybody will see it. Well, and I also think, especially when I saw your first billboards, um, there's an immediate shock to, wow, somebody crawled up there and uh, and changed something that was paid for. Right. And to me, that was a sense of, of that was revelatory and, and freeing. But there's still that, if I may say, humbleness of a billboard. You know, uh, they're... They're right there and everybody walking by, again, experiences mm-hmm. it. So they're experiencing you, even if they don't know who you are or who a street artist is that has altered that image. Right. And sometimes it's, you know, not, sometimes it's more important that they don't know who you are. Like um, I did one that said, you know, jihad is over if you want it. And um, nobody can make their mind about what they thought about it because mm-hmm. they, they first they had to know who did it to contextualize what it, what it was and where right. it was coming from. And since they didn't have that, it was it, it, you really had to think about what it meant and not about who made it. Well, and also it takes away, um, like, you know, a lot of people are kind of egomaniacs, so it takes away the ego because, you know, f- for the most part, you weren't, nobody knew who was doing it, so you weren't getting, like, kind of credit or feedback for it. You were just doing mm-hmm. it. And you're not doing it for financial gain. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, like... Um, you know, I came from the lower classes, and and, it's, and it seemed like, you know, I wanted to go into this thing called art, and as a learning about art and Jackson Pollock and different things, I realized that, that they really didn't like art. And as a matter of fact, they were kind of, they seemed upset by it. And I was thinking, well, what is it that's upsetting about it to them? You know, like you abstract expression. mean to expression. Jackson Pollock himself it was or, upsetting? Or just, yeah, like, well, let's say, like, um, like if you saw a Jackson Pollock painting, you'll see people get upset. You know, they're like, well, you know, oh, oh, he did this in like an hour and a half, and he got oh, right, fifty right. million dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, he actually didn't get fifty million dollars, but until uh, after he's dead. But 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 the point <laughs> is, like, let's say it. if they were like at the Grand Canyon, they walk, they they were on the trails, they walk past a big wall, and it looks exactly like that Jackson Pollock. 
they would have their picture made in front of it. They would think, oh, this is so beautiful. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think that because of the fact that this um, guy got all this money for it or way much more money than anybody they know would ever get or, you know, I think that kind of perverts like their experience with the art Mm -hmm. so that if if you're just putting it up anonymously and and so you're you're, you're absent from it and then then can people experience the art and they, they kind of know that you came to their neighborhood, you put this up and that it's for free. Yeah. You're not getting paid. Well, As a matter of fact, you might go to jail for doing it. So, yeah. But then they can actually experience the art in a more pure way. Yeah, it's art for every man yeah. and woman. And also that, you know, um, makes you question, like, you know, private property or who, what, why. I bet you the guy that owns that billboard company, you know, he lives in Connecticut and there are no billboards in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're, they're putting them in poor neighborhoods and so you can make it more of an art experience. Somebody could go up and change it. I mean, it's right there. And, but people don't think to do that. So it's living art. Yeah. Really, you can make it living art because other people could add to and, your And also, art I don't think it matters if you're an artist because I would get, you know, you'd do a lecture and then somebody afterwards would be very angry. And why don't you do something about uranium tip missiles that they're shooting into Iraq or something? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a million issues. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, you know, it's like, that sounds like that's your issue. Why don't you do something mm-hmm. about it? And they're like, well, you know, I'm not an artist. And I'm like, well, do you have a Kinko's by your house? Yeah. You're an artist. And glue. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go back to when you decided or realized you wanted to be an artist what were some references or things that um helped you realize who you were and what you wanted to say in art like was it people or things or objects or places around the world or your parents or yeah I, my um my dad brought back a bunch of mimeograph paper from work you know so i could draw mm-hmm. and they gave me some crayons and i had zero interest and so i was maybe four or five years old and wow. i don't think i had been to school yet so we were like out in my backyard and my neighbor, Charlie Lascazelle, had an older brother, so he gave us some firecrackers. So we were back there lighting off the firecrackers. <laughs> and, of course, my mom comes running out and really all upset. And she takes me to my room, and she locks me in the room. And she goes, yeah, see that clock? You have to stay here for an hour. Now, I don't know. For, if you're four, that seems oh. like a real long time. So I remember I staring at the clock for, like, maybe five minutes or so. And I go, well, this is boring. Um, well, what about maybe I'll try out them crayons. And, uh-huh. and so it, this was your first protest, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but then after I, you know, after I drew for the rest of the hour, then she came to get me out, and I refused to leave, and she thought I was messing with her. But I was like, I was way more fascinated with the the crayons than I was the firecrackers. So I found wow, that thing. That's so then I went and drew in my sister's room and and blamed it on her, and she was still in the crib. And but were you drawing on her walls? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect. But I, I couldn't figure out how why why I was getting in trouble for doing it because I I said she did it, mm-hmm. but of course she was still in her crib. She yeah. couldn't get out of her crib. Yeah, so <laughs> I wasn't that bright. She actually, the first time I tried to interact with her with art, I'd make something at school and I brought it home and, and handed it to her through the bars or cribs and she ate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really sad. But she's okay, right? Yeah, yeah, she's okay. fine. All right. I, I'm just curious, had you seen things, images in your head before, and then the crayons are what allowed you to get it out or, or you just drew because it just came organically? Well, I remember... Um, I just remember being very frustrated that I had no skills. Mm. And I knew what I wanted it to be, and I was just almost about to cry because I couldn't just make it happen. I couldn't make it happen. Wow. Although, you know, like, they give you really crummy art supplies when you're a little kid. Yeah. Those... You know, they're mostly about being non-toxic, but these brushes are real fat. So, um, you know, I doubt if I could use those tools to create art <laughs> even today. <laughs> so, But, no, I, you know, it's like it's in your head. And, and then more recently, um, I just thought, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go back and find that little kid and – that I was, and I'm going to help him make what he was trying to make. Cause I remember like he was, I was trying to make what would it look like if you could see both sides of the wall or, you know, I, I was trying yeah. to solve these problems 
but whatever I was seeing back then, like in the last few years, I've been trying to create work that looks like what I was seeing. So, so I get to be that kid again, except now he can actually do what he was trying to do then. Wow. What a great way to express yourself and to help your inner artist. (laughs) Yeah. Or to try to get that, you know, that kid back in Uh, there, you know? Yeah. Well, you always seem like you're full of wonder. Yeah. Are you not? Well, I'm the world's biggest kid. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be sorry for that. I think this world would be a better place. Well, you know, you learn, more... you kind of figure out things. And like, I think that, um, you know, like I, in junior high school, there was a, uh, I met a friend and he was kind of ornery and, and, you know, he threw my book out the window and then I threw his book out the window and then we skipped school. <laughs> and then, and at some point I realized, well, nothing happens. You know, like if you break the rules, nothing really happens, uh-huh. you know, and then, realized, then it, I think that was enlightening to me that, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't have to just do whatever they, everything that you were told. So when you're breaking that quote unquote rule and then you're quote unquote punished for it, um, what's the end result of that? Do do people come more to towards the truth, do you think? Well, I think with rules, um, you know, I think kids is very having kids, you know, you've mm-hmm. had kids, you yeah. know, um, because I was trying to get them to break the rules, and they were like, they don't want to break the rules. And I'm like, but you, mm. to, to even survive, you actually have to break the rules. I mean, you know, the, the, the if the speed limit's 55 miles an hour, that, that road's designed for you to go like 90 miles an hour. So they figure we if we tell them it's 90 miles an hour, then they'll go 120 miles an hour. <laughs> so we'll tell them it's 50, and then they'll go what they're really supposed to go. And, uh-huh. and I realized that they're just having a really hard time sorting out what the rules are. Uh, not why they are, mm-hmm. you know, and I think later a lot of people never get to that point where they they question why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to know what the rules are so they can exist. Yeah. You know? And that's a sad way to live, I think. Right. And, I know. But everything's artificial. And like the project I'm working on now is this it's this world called Delusionville and it's this weird underground world where everything's kind of upside down. But the idea is that in this world that you I mean they don't they don't have guns. They don't everybody um, stays in their social class and their position and and does doesn't really question it so much or challenge it and but they're all held together by the the idea of that's who they are Mm. and there's nothing really holding them together just the idea that's that's the way it is so does the idea evaporate and then they're left with nothing yeah we all have to agree you know we have Mm. to agree that money has value or it doesn't have value Mm -hmm. you know there has to be a certain consensus for something to happen conspiracy even yeah I think most people kind of have this philosophical pinning, you know, to their life. And it's based on like kind of a bumper sticker mentality to everything. So it's almost, you know, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Then, you know, so like, so people will ignore like eight months of DNA mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. go, the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Um, that rhymes. So that must be right. And I don't understand all that DNA. So I think people will, you know, they just want a simple way out of things, like something they can rhyme and put on a bumper sticker. But it makes a very confused society because it's, it's not it's not logic. It's just rhyme. Yeah. I think it goes back to feeling. I think feelings yeah. supersede rationale. Well, I think, you know, like I'm a liberal and um, I think the, the main, the fatal flaw of liberalism is, is there's this basic idea that if, if people get access to all the correct facts, mm-hmm. they will make a very rational decision. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think they realize that people are very emotional and they will, mm-hmm. they will, they, if you, if you create the right emotional, um, meaning for them, then they will make the decision you want them to make, but they're mm-hmm. not going to take facts and make a rational decision because we're not rational. You know, you, we're trying really hard to be, you know, change politics and stuff. And it, 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 we're up against the rhyming bumper stickers that, you know, that and we seem to be going at it the wrong way. And also like, um, I feel like with like President Trump, you know, I when he says something, one side hears one thing and another side hears the other mm-hmm. thing. So like people think, well, you know, you were you really hated Bill Clinton because he had affairs and yeah, and 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 you were about to blow your brains out over him, and then and then this guy comes along, and he's way worse than Bill Clinton, 
And you just think he's heroic. Mm-hmm. But what they're seeing is a guy that's a player. He's got billions of dollars. It doesn't matter if he stole to get him. You know, he's the guy they want to be. So they adore him. He's heroic to them. I mean, to the point, and I'm, I'm starting to think that he's, he's become this messiah. I mean, we were very critical of Obama, mm-hmm. you know, even though we, we worked very hard to get him elected. But the, the Republicans don't seem to be critical at all. It's, 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 it becomes okay when he does it. Well, I just It wonder, wasn't okay before he did it. But right. now, as soon as he does it, it becomes, that just makes it okay. And that, that's, that's scary. Well, it's a monetary Kool-Aid. You know, there's there's some something going on monetarily that's going and lining the pockets of these people that it used it used to seem like well okay Republicans are quote unquote conservative right. so they're going to make conservative choices and Trump is the farthest thing from conservatism that you can think of mm-hmm. so what is what is he doing that we and I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist but what is he what is he giving people to control them or what is he holding over people much like what is Putin holding over Trump. Well, I think the first thing for me is like is that he captured, you know, like my my I'm from the lower classes in the Midwest. He mm-hmm. he owns them, mm-hmm. and I and he knows them better than I know them. Mm-hmm. But I am one of them. But mm-hmm. I'm but he's he get he gets them more than I. He do. is Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he yeah. gets it. Yeah, yeah. and um, but I I think that it was like really helpful that he did the professional wrestling thing. I think that's a very good good way to understand how to get to people. Mm-hmm. You know, because like if you get into professional wrestling, it's like there's a good guy, there's a bad guy. The guy with the big golden lock, that's a good guy, you mm-hmm. know? So we cheer the good guy, we boo the bad guy. You know? Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Double standard. Well, my, like, my favorite is- Why are we criticizing Hitler? Stalin killed more people. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, okay, well, I would like to talk more about you. Mm-hmm. I would like to go away from the wickedness that mm-hmm. is at the moment. So I wanted to ask you about uh, you and Shepard Ferry and Kenny Scharf, and I love those two guys too, mm-hmm. and Robbie Connell. Uh, were guest stars on the March 4th, 2012 episode of The Simpsons, mm-hmm. Exit Through the Quickie Mart. So what I want to ask you is, did you feel like your genius had finally been captured through Matt Groening's genius? No. <laughs> I, I just thought, I, I I sort of wondered why he picked the four of us out of all the people that do this sort of stuff. And um, I think it's it's because um he went out and did billboards with me before. Mm-hmm. And then he went out with uh, Robbie before. So, so the two of us, I know we had actually done stuff with us before. And, um, so well, that, he seems very supportive yeah, of fellow Texans. Yeah. He's put Brave Combo on there too. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's had us to his house and stuff. And yeah, he's really, really a sweet guy. He'll always be an underground comic book artist at heart. You know, that's yeah. who he is. Yeah, but, but it, I it, love it, that he yeah. celebrated you. You know, I, I to me that was so cool to see Ron's on there, or, or Sean Colvin's on there, or Brave yeah. Combo's on there. Oh, he loves music. I, he's he's he said so... Brave Combo. I played his house and mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you like being asked why you do what you do and what it means? I do a lot of interviews. Um, so you, I think it, it, as you have a career, you have to decide, well, am I going to do be open to people or am I not? Or, you know, you have to decide what you're going to do, what you're mm-hmm. not going to do, because you have to make so many decisions so quickly that it's good if you've already decided, well, you want a mural, this is what it costs or whatever. So you don't have to think about anything. Yeah. It's all kind of structured. So, well, also, so we decided to be more open. And yeah. um, But it, it's weird that we live like not in New York City where we live. And so people come visit us. And if they're just coming to interview, it's like, you don't ask them anything. They only ask you things. So it's a weird relationship to have with people where they just ask you questions and you answer them and then they leave. Yeah. You know, yeah. And because you're thinking you're, you're a global journalist. It's like, you're way more interesting than I am. I would like to be asking you questions. The relationship aspect of getting to know people, people say, Oh, what's so-and-so like, you know, and you're like, well, I met them for an interview mm-hmm. and then I never saw them again. Whereas, mm-hmm. um, but you do get kind of a sense. Cause I met like Trump before and he goes, do wear makeup. Like, That's no. what he said to you. You should wear makeup. See, and I was just talking like about that earlier. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I said your daughter looked like you. No, I think he's just somebody that goes around and just talks to people and doesn't listen. Yeah. Oh, no. He's yeah, a total narcissist. Yeah, yeah. So, 
But, you know, it could, just being around somebody, you can get, I mean, you know, you don't have a deep sense of them, but you can get a sense of who people are by being in the room with them, I think. But but when you do an interview, like normally, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you, if, if you're just hanging out with somebody, you know, if you start talking about something you realize is making them uncomfortable, then you kind of back off yeah. and go go to another subject. But um, when you're being interviewed, you don't know what their political beliefs are and they could just hate you. They could just hate everything about you, but they're not going to show that. They're going to smile and go, oh, that's great. You know, and keep you talking. And yeah, because they, they just need the interview. You that's know? true. So that's it's a weird thing to be doing, I think. It's to, very superficial yeah. in yeah. that sense. Yes, I see what you mean. Right. Mm-hmm. But they could totally despise you. I don't despise a you. Couple, just to clarify no, that. No, but I mean, so I, I went to like a lot of right wing, done a lot of right wing, and you know they hate you. you yeah. Know? And so you're just talking to them. You just think you're going to throw me under the bus. You're going to figure out some way to turn this on me. or mm-hmm. It's kind of nerve wracking. But at the same time, like um, one time I was on a real right wing show in Canada. And at first he wouldn't let me on the show. It was like a radio show. But we were doing like the media for um, um, uh, the movie Propaganda. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said, I want to be on everything. He goes, in, in every magazine. He says, so you want to be in the golf magazine? I said, yeah, I want to be in the golf That's magazine. Awesome. <laughs> so he's put me on the right wing. He says, you know, they're not going to like you. you know? And at first they wouldn't put me on. Like two segments went by and he wouldn't put me on. And I think what he was actually thinking is he's an artist. He won't be interesting. Oh. You know, whatever. And finally he got me on. And then he goes, what's going on down in the States? Why, why is it? You know, also we're hearing is like, you know, Republicans love their country and, and Democrats hate their country. And I'm like, yeah, Republicans love their country. They love their country like rapists love their women, you know. And then, then the phone lines lit up and he goes, oh, wow, you ticked them off, <laughs> you know. And then it was just it got really lively. And he asked me to stay for another segment. And then we went out afterwards. And then he actually had some cocaine and we, we were drinking mm-hmm. and I didn't do the cocaine. But um, but it's like and then then he's like, um, hey, you know, it's like what's going on in New York? I, I really like to be in the New York market, you know. And I said, well, this is like a long time ago. So it was like, what? You know, the, the only people that are hiring right now is Air American. It's a liberal. Mm-hmm. So liberal station. He goes, I can do liberal, <laughs> and that's when it kind of occurred to me. It's like these are show people. They don't, yeah. you know, they don't believe. You know, Rush Limbaugh doesn't believe what he's saying. No, he's for the money. You know, he he's, he once said that. Look, um, I make eighty million dollars a year. If the Democrats or the liberals or whatever paid me ninety million, I'd be a liberal. Mm-hmm. I'm the world's greatest salesman. I can sell anything. Mm-hmm. I can I can make every I can shine up anything and sell it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what I am. But I'm not really what well, you think I am. Oh, you. I, no, you, I'm just saying that, they, that some of these people are show people. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were referring back to yourself, and I was going to go, "No, you're not." But yes, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, you come out of like if you come out as from an artist, it's like or if you're not an actor, like you know, if you think Coke is sugar water that's bad for you, you're not going to talk about how great it is. But if you're an actor, you're going to think, "I got a job for Coke." That's a really mm-hmm. high profile thing, you know, mm-hmm. because you're just you're an actor. You, mm-hmm. you somebody gives you a script and you do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, like I went on the Morton Downing show and it was kind of, um, it was interesting. He was interesting. This, this is like the first when this, our culture went trashy. And, um, and so like they, the first couple of artists that went on before me, you know, they were screaming at him and throwing stuff at him and booing him. And, and then, you know, they were getting ready to attack me. And then he comes out and says, this is what this guy does, you know? And then he looked at the audience and says, this guy I like. Yeah. And they're like, and they were like, and then they changed their minds. Like, and they start cheering, but if they were about to attack me, but he, he said, no, no, we're going to like this one. Do you know? Wow. So, it's, so did you have a relationship beforehand, or was no, he a no, fan? I mean, no, why did no, he... no. I think he thought we've just attacked a couple people. Now let's turn it just because it's good television. We don't just bring everybody so up here and attack them. So your timing was good. Yeah, it was good to, to be the third person. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Also, I think, but I think that um, I think in, people kind of inherently like the idea of somebody that just steals and does whatever the. F- want you know yeah. what I mean? so he just does these billboards for you know and if he goes to jail he didn't care you know so that, i think that was more interesting that because the guy before me was kind of very intellectual and talking about the history of art and boring mm-hmm. them and you know i don't know so yeah. i think in a way they kind of responded to what i did too you know i think using humor is really good because my idea about humor is um you don't joke around with your enemies 
you know, you attack them or mm -hmm. you bark at people and tell them what to think. But you joke with your friends. You joke around with your friends. And it creates a safe space to talk about ideas. You know? Yes. So Kathy and Griffin also, could have joked with yeah, her friends. Yeah or, yeah. or it's also that it's a safe place and we can disagree. And I'm not going to hate you because I disagree with you. Yeah. You know. But it, it's a, it, you can talk about ideas without getting angry with each other in humor. Yes. Are you running for president anytime soon? Because um, I wish you would. Yeah, I don't think they would like me. They would, you know. <laughs> I can't imagine Trump leaving office and you walking in. That would be like a yeah. happy, hey, happy day. Off now, you know. I mean, yeah. a couple arrests, big whoop. Yeah, yeah, big whoop. Yeah, yeah and yours are nothing compared to who's in office. Well, you know, but he, I, he, did, I mean, whatever I did, I, you know, when I was doing the billboards, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a. It's, they're just posters, you know, yeah. so they just go over it with another poster. So it's not you're, like you're really doing any kind of major damage. But I mean, like all those beautiful gargles that he smashed in the middle of the night, he's destroyed mm -hmm. major works of art. And, you know, he does what it would be considered real crime, I think. You know, I, yeah. yes. Real quickly, I, I'm just curious, in this new uh, surveillance world we live in, is it harder to do renegade art, guerrilla art? Um, I don't do illegal things anymore. Of course not. No, I really don't. No, I believe you. Um, no, no, it's it's like I lived this life where I was scared my whole life, and you have to live with that because okay, like I'm in high school, right? And um, my my best friend decides he's going to skip, come play volleyball with me in gym class, and then then he realized, well, I didn't get caught. I'm going to play volleyball with you guys tomorrow. So he started coming to he just started coming to my gym class every day, and we play volleyball. The the school didn't like him. And they wanted to get rid of them. And so um, then one day they said, um, you know, we can't suspend you for skipping one class, you know, but we can give you a detention. If you get so many detentions and you get a suspension. So basically you, you've, you've, you've skipped enough that we can give you a three day detention. And then when you come back, we can give you another one. And when you come back, we can give you another one. So basically we can just stack this up, you know, till school's over. So do you think you'd like to quit? And they, they will also do that. You know, the police will like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll keep a record. Like he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. And they rack it all up and then they'll come after somebody. And they'll wait till you've done a lot, so it's like a serious felony. You got a whole bunch of felonies, and that, that way they got you. Mm -hmm. So you're always vulnerable. That like they, they may be paying attention to you, they may not. Maybe mm -hmm. they're not catching you. Maybe they know. Maybe they're building the case against you. So like every time, like I would go to the studio, and sometimes like my neighbor calls it. There's a bunch of guys with suits down outside your studio, and then I would skip <sighs> work that day because I don't know who they are. Are they detectives or? So mm -hmm. yeah, I always live with the fact that you know that I could be arrested at any point, and 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 now it's been like seven years since I committed a crime, so I don't. I don't have that hanging over my head mm -hmm. and it, it just, if, I, I just feel like somewhere much more relaxed, you know? And also like I made it uh, kind of thought, well, I do all this stuff because they won't, you know, I thought if people just let me have giant walls, I'll, I'll quit doing this, mm -hmm. you know? And now people do, they, you know? Okay. So do, do you notice a difference between, cause I know you're really popular in Asia uh, in acceptance and, um, and just joy about what you do over there compared to the United States. Um, yeah. I think that, um, I don't think they're exposed to a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like when we do the pop-up stores, the kids come with um, wagons and get as much stuff as they can. And it's like, it's exciting, you know, because yeah. they weren't letting, they weren't letting a lot of our stuff into the, like into China and stuff. And now they are. So awesome. one of my favorite things was, you know, cause we make uh, all of our toys there. They, they don't make the, you can't make them in America. They don't do it here. Mm. Um, but the, the problem with, with, with them is if you make something in their factory, you know, they'll, they'll keep making it. You know, if you're popular and people know you, then they'll just, I mean, they, there's Ron English stores there. They, they have nothing to do with me, you know. So there's no they control bootleg your stuff, and it's bootlegged by the same factory that makes your stuff. Sometimes, you know, like the way we make our toys with the garage works, we actually make them in three different factories, so they can't nobody can make it. 
because all the parts are made oh, I see. separate. I see. Yeah, so you yeah. have to really work hard to not get bootlegged. But um, the first time I got bootlegged, well, like I kind of had this like you know everybody has a little fantasy things that they would like to do, and I had this character um MC Supersize is mm-hmm. kind of like what would Ronald McDonald look like if he really ate at McDonald's, and um. I thought, wouldn't it be great to put those in Happy Meals? Like, if I could sneak somebody into the corporation and put them in Happy Meals, but um, you know, and that would be very costly to make make them and and do something like that. But um, I got bootlegged in China, and they make MC, and they actually package him as if he's from McDonald's because they also steal their logo too, oh, which wow. I can never do here. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So you you go to a little corner store, and then they have little fat Ronalds, and it says McDonald's on it. You know, it's 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 as if it's made. So I was doing this was kind of happening the same time that they were starting to put all the McDonald's there. So like the kids came. A lot of the kids think that that that's, that's the real from a happy that, meal from a real McDonald's. They think that's what MC. They think Ronald McDonald's like the, the big fat guy. Yeah. So, so, you, like, so, so you got a, to you got to them before McDonald's did, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so that's branded the, so McDonald's. a lot of the kid, re, yeah, a little <laughs> pre-branding. But I just thought that was like a great culture jamming moment, and it was, but it was made possible by people that their intent was not to culture jam; their intent was to make money off of a popular figure. So, in some ways, bootleggers are. You know, they help artists, even yeah. though they might hurt artists in some ways. Well, I mean, you know, it's also we just have an idea that, you know, of, of copyright and and they don't, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. well, you know, you know, Tarsus from Iran and, they, and in Iran, they don't we don't have copyright agreements with them. So they make Mickey Mouse, but they don't have to pay Disney and they make it the way they want to make it, you know, wow. and it's, it's kind of interesting, you know. So that that begs me to ask the question. So when you're um, doing a smurf or, you know, uh, take off on something. Do you have to pay a licensing fee or do you just do it because you're altering the image enough? Like, how does that work um, for you? Well, the law is kind of if you alter it like 30% or if it's an obvious, obvious parody, it's making some kind of social statement that the, the, that the like, you know, that the King Features wouldn't want to use Charlie Brown to make this statement. You know, I, I mean, you know, like for me, if the rule of thumb is if. Any re- you know, any reasonable person would think this is not Barbie that mm-hmm. they did they don't have loaded Barbie that then it's okay you mm-hmm. know um, so you've never had anybody like come oh out we've had all kinds of lawsuits we're in lawsuits right now oh. um, our, our our world is illegal <laughs> our life's <laughs> a legal nightmare it's it's yeah yeah our number one employee is a lawyer so you know every contract that you know if anybody makes a contract and sends it to you it's full of landmines and mm-hmm. and if you miss one landmine it'll later blow up mm-hmm. you know and so if you have, you know, because we've used people who aren't as good and they left things in contracts that shouldn't have been there and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah they, and... they earn their money. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 So have you noticed a street art changing over the years that's more inclusive or are there a lot of women or a lot of people of color? Actually, I think that, um, you know, a lot of the people that have been promoting street art, because, you know, if we go to a street art festival, I mean, we didn't pick the people that were mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. you know, and um I think there was a lot of embarrassment that um, there weren't a lot of women, for instance, and but I don't think a lot of women wanted to do it. Hmm. You know, it, it was interesting because I'm, you know, I always have like an assistant. I usually try to help them. So like I had an assistant, I was just saying, you should do street art, you should do street art. And she's like, just leave me alone. I don't want to do street art. Hmm. You know, but I've been saying, oh, you don't have to do that much. You just get out there and then you get known. And it's it's a, you know, it, there's an infrastructure for that now. The next, the next one, you know, was a guy and, and I told him and he, of course, he didn't want to do it either. But he finally capitulated and did it and became a superstar mm-hmm. because he got to ride that big wave and he kind of figured out what to do and stuff. Uh-huh. But I think a lot of it was just that it's who wanted to go out and do it, you know. I, I think that uh, street art is something that families should do with their kids because um, when my kids were young, we went down the street and we did pre-made art and then we glued it on these mm-hmm. walls. And it was really cool to walk by or drive by and tell people that was my kid's art, you mm-hmm. know, and to see it and have them know I can put my art where I want to. Mm-hmm. 
Um, was I breaking the law? Probably, but mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine an officer coming over and telling my kids mm -hmm. who were like, I mean, five and eight, five and nine at that mm -hmm. time. So do you make a lot of art with your kids? Um, they used to help me sticker, mm -hmm. but then one day I came home and our complete our house our apartment was completely t TV and everything covered with stickers. So. But I couldn't get mad because I taught them to do it. So, yeah. But um, More yeah, they, uh, oddly, my 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 kids really have no interest in art. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, maybe because it would just so overwhelm their lives. And you know, for ten years I painted them. Um, not on them. Yeah, not on them. But I painted. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, you know. First, I just did some paintings because I thought, well, you know, I, I'm just going to sneak in a few paintings to my kids because, of course, you want to paint your kids. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's like everybody's obsessed with the kids. They just are. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they just think they're the most beautiful creatures ever. And so anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm painting them and I figured, you know, I'll make a few of these and I'll have to get back to making stuff that can sell. And uh, and then they sold, you know. And then, then it became a thing. And like for 10 years, it, that actually became the thing everybody wanted from me. It's like we want a Mars or a Zephyr and, and you know, like uh, our kiss kid or a uh -huh. clown kid or whatever that I was doing with them. And, but I always said, you know, if you ever, um, you know, if you don't want to do this anymore, you don't, all you have to do is say no, and then we don't do this anymore. And then one day they said no, and I was like, oh, crap, this is my <laughs> career. You weren't ready for <laughs> yeah, it, no. Yeah. No, I think what happened was, um, well, it, it, it was kind of building up, but um, like a lot of people are getting tattoos of them, you know, like, so, so like, and, and Zephyr never went to the Comic-Con or anything with me, but like, mm -hmm. if, you know, my son would like to go to Comic-Con and we would, and he would get mobbed by people and they're all like kind of aggressive and trying to show him that they have a tattoo of him. And, you know, he's just like, weird dude, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, then he did a, um, I said, would you, this magazine wants to interview you. I think it was Swindle or something. And, uh, and they, would you like to do that? And they're like, oh yeah, we'll do that. And, uh, and I'm like, it's going to be in a magazine, you know, maybe your friends will see it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and they yeah, okay, we'll do it. And then they, um, then Mars is like, um, they said, they, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he goes, well, I want to be a naked dumpster diver. And they're like, why do you want to do that? He goes, well, then I won't get my clothes dirty. <laughs> and and then it came out, and I think some of his friends saw it, and he was kind of embarrassed. And, yeah. And he goes, you didn't tell me it was going to be in a magazine. And like, yeah, I did. <laughs> you yeah. know. But I, yeah, I think it, it, when it, once they started getting known, and it wasn't their thing. And yeah. I think that it bothered them. Yeah. So so then I had to quit doing it, but uh, but it's great because I have like ten years of these beautiful paintings of my kids. And that's lovely. It was at one point like when I was just like cause, you know I took, I go all over the world, and and because that's what I was doing at the time, everywhere I went, like I'd be at something, and then they would blow up like pictures of the kids. So, so I wouldn't even actually see the actual kids, but everywhere I went, I would see giant blow ups of my kids staring back at me. You know, there was like years where just everywhere I was, that I was surrounded by my art, no matter where I was in the world. And I remember like um we had some neighbors that uh, had a band, right? Mm -hmm. And, she, you know, so she would, they would come hang out in my studio and whatever. And um, so they were recording a record. They said, you want to come down and visit us while we're recording the record? So we go down and we're sitting there and, and the singer, she's just staring at me like weird. And I'm like, <laughs> what's up, Jennifer? And she goes, why are you looking at me like that? And she goes, oh, oh, I've never seen you without your art around you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, speaking of music, um, that reminds me of two things. One is... Uh, Marty and I actually were part of a three-piece band with a friend, Mark Hallman, and we recorded a song for you called Get Naked with Ron English. Yeah, yeah. That was, I believe it's actually were, that was titled a... as All-American Man. Yeah. Oh, I saw it on the web. right. It's actual title. Oh, okay. People drive down the street when their eyes stray off the road. They see a crazy billboard that makes them want to explode. Thank goodness for Ron English. Oh, thank God for Ron English. Thank goodness for Ron English. The All-American Man. It's not right to burn the red, white, and blue, but what if Jesse Helms said it's the right thing to do? Ah, you'd blame it on Ron English. But that was really fun, and that was for what project was that for? Um, 
That was a weird time in my life where um, I had a our studio burned down um, mm. or our loft burned down in in a in a Tribeca, and so we went and stayed in Hoboken, and it ended up being about six months. You know, while they rebuilt the apartment, and I had a friend, uh, Michael Welch, who was had, had for years. I mean, go come on, let's go see bands, let's go see bands, let's go see bands, let's go see bands. And I'm like I can't, I got a deadline, I got to paint this. And he, and he calls me and says, "You can't say that you have to paint. You have no studio. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's go see a band." So we started. I started going out and seeing bands with him, and uh, and then you know, and then I thought, I, I need. I, I mean, I can't just watch bands. I need. I'm going to do something yeah. with them or be involved in some way. And I did. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And then we went home and watched this documentary about Saddam Hussein. They said, "Well, he's the uh, the living person with the most songs about him." And I'm like, "Oh, that's that doesn't seem right." Like that. Uh, and I said, "Wouldn't it be funny if a if a almost homeless like artist from the East Village was had more songs about him than than the dictator?" I don't know. Maybe I was into Annie Coffin or something back then, but uh, it was just, I just thought that'd be funny. And so I just started asking the bands and, and they all said yes and made songs. Oh, I wanted to ask you about your Obama as Lincoln and what the reaction mm-hmm. was and, and what made, drew you to create that. Cause that is a really profound and beautiful mm-hmm. image. Um, the campaign contacted us and they said, well, you know, we think this is going to be really close and um, we think the youth and but it's going to be very, very important. And, you know, also get, get to them early because they might even understand you're supposed to register or whatever. Um, and so I think they got, first they got Shepard and then mm-hmm. they got David Cho and then they got me because they thought, well, we're going to use street artists because they liked street, street artists popular then. Mm-hmm. And they thought this this would be a way, you know, to reach the people, to reach the kids, you know. And then they got to me and they said, um, so this is like a Tuesday. says, so we're going to need the image by Friday. And so like, oh, uh, I just I don't know. Just I think what was going on at the moment was um, that you know that the Clintons were saying, "Look, this guy's not qualified, and you know he hasn't blah 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 blah." That was the argument, mm-hmm. and so then I thought, you know, he kind of almost had the same qualifications as Lincoln. You know, he'd done about the same amount of stuff, and and he was a skinny intellectual from Illinois. There were just so many similarities. Mm-hmm. It just seems like I'm just going to put them together, and then that was kind of. It fit that moment, and um, before they even got the uh, print done, um, it already went viral on the internet because mm-hmm. I sent it out to some friends, and then somebody sent it to Boing Boing or something. I don't remember. So it's kind of got internet famous, and then um, I had this band at the time called uh, the uh, Electric Illuminati, mm-hmm. and uh, the singer says, "Let's take this image on tour. Wow. Let's take this, on, you know." And I said, "Oh, this is great because you know I have these other. I have tons of images. I was already doing billboards of like McCain as a, a Viagra ad, going, I want to get erected and or elected <laughs> or whatever. But I was having fun and making fun of the other candidates and whatever. And he goes, "No, no, 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 no. Um, we're going to do one image. We're mm-hmm. just going to do it over and over and over again because that's how this works, you know." Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, "Well, Calix would do it in different colors." <laughs> he goes, "Okay." So, but we went up to um, first we went up to Boston, which was the right place to do it because this guy gave us this giant wall. So we did this giant wall. And then, and then my crew actually went out and just slaughtered the town with posters of it. Wow. And then the next day we, we hit the road and it was like the 4th of July. So it was going to take us eight hours to drive back to New York. And we were just caught in traffic and they're calling us. It's like CBS, ABC's here. The the mayor's here. The police are here. Everybody's freaking out. It's like, where are you? And it's like, I don't know. We're just caught in traffic, but it went viral. Mm-hmm. And then, then we went to like, um, we ended up going to 10 cities, putting up these giant billboards of it. And also I was kind of playing with the idea of, um, you know, I, I think you know. I I think certain things about people. I don't know if they're right or wrong, but I think that people want to be with the winner. Mm-hmm. And also, I think a lot of people then um, wanted to vote for him that probably were 
they thought, well, I, I don't know if I should do that because my uncle will hate me for doing it or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't want all the grief from my family for voting for him. And I, I felt like that was kind of giving him cover because everywhere you looked, it was a something about Obama. Mm -hmm. So it, it made feel like, that, well, that's the way we're going. So, well, so I'm not, him, I'm not an outlier to vote for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you instantly gave him this right. status of he's a hero before yeah, and he also, got to be a hero. Yeah, and also I think that, you know, you know, slavery didn't really end. You know, I mean, it, it, the residuals of it still exist. You oh, know, racism's and, um, horrible in this country. So, yes. I mean, I think it was really a really important thing to have a black man be president. You know, mm -hmm. I think it would have been a really important thing to have Hillary for president. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't think she is as horrible as people think. Although, I mean, I was really mad at about the Iraq war. I mean, a million people got killed, mm -hmm. and they they lost all this money. What for? Mm -hmm. And why did mm -hmm. she have to vote for that? She didn't have to. But she was really trying to. So I was really angry about that. But I don't know. The other guy was way worse. So. I also think, though, that I think her desire overwhelmed her um, her experience. Well, you know, we, we talked to her campaign, too. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, th this uh, promoter, you know, called me up and said, um, let's 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 I'm going to get in touch with the campaign. And I want to know if you're in because I want to get the same people that did did it for Obama and, and get that the a team of street mm -hmm. artists together and mm -hmm. we're going to we're going to kill it for her, you know and uh, and they, they, she, they contacted the campaign and she says i don't want them they they backed the wrong horse last time and, and i'm not happy about that you know wow. so basically she was still resenting us for backing obama which was kind of important but then we were re re ready to throw down for her and she said no thank you we don't need them that is yeah, insane so, yeah why wouldn't you but i think she really had it thought that she thought the women in america were going to come out really strong for her you know, well, this is going to be a revolution. You know, you know? I, I, if she was thinking it was going to be her Ann Richards moment, there was a big difference between her and Ann Richards. You yeah. know, I mean, all the women coming forth and supporting Ann Richards over Clayton Williams was a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I and that's not to negate Hillary, because there's a lot of great things Hillary has done. She has mm -hmm. had a prolific career. Again, very smart woman. And she probably would have been a really good president. Right. But I think ego stepped in. I Again, I think her desire overwhelmed what could have been a humbling moment for her to really think about the people. I, I think a lot of people aren't that uh, enamored of intellectuals either. You know, I get perplexed because I feel like that we've been pitted against each other by an outside force. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to make that stop. When I was a kid and I wanted to make music, I just made music. I had mm -hmm. my little cassette recorder. I mm -hmm. had my guitar. I'd make up shows. I'd do whatever. I don't really worry about money as much as I worry about how do I how do I make my art? Like, how mm -hmm. am I going to share my art? Of course, the changes in technology mm -hmm. allow us to share it more readily. But I just always, I always wanted to make it and I didn't really worry about the outcome. Mm -hmm. Is that, do you find money is attracted to you? I would say that 95% of what I do doesn't make money. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't differentiate. It. And um, also like Tarsa works, you know, on the business part. So a lot of times, I, even if I'm going to do something, I don't really want to know how much money it is because mm -hmm. <coughs> I could get mad that I don't think it's enough money. So mm -hmm. I won't do a good job. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather just go do the best job I can and not let somebody else deal with all that, you mm -hmm. know. That's nice. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's funny because I really didn't make him any money before I met her. And, and then I really wanted to marry this woman. And you know, and I think she kind of figured out she's broke, dude. And 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 I, and I remember like going to make th and I made like thirty thousand dollars in one day, and just because I was, suddenly I was motivated, mm -hmm. you know, I like I you know I'm smart, I can figure out how to make money, <laughs> you know, and, you know, so I just hustled, you know. Wow. And so so sometimes like I'll you know if I know that you know I can hustle. Part of what I want to do with this podcast is I always want the person on to ask a question of somebody they would love to ask a question to, and then I'm going to try to get that person on the podcast to answer your question. Okay. Um. It could be anybody. Oh, um, I would like to ask Bob Dylan a question. What the f***, man? <laughs> Thanks for listening.
Thanks for tuning in to Studio of the Future. I'm your host, Sarah Hickman, and our guest today was Ron English. You can hear and see bonus content at studioofthefuture.org. Thanks to Marty Lester for engineering, mixing, and editing at Everywhere Audio in Austin, Texas. Until next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Bye-bye.